0: How Jesus, had, you know, the Holy Ghost descends on Jesus in the form of a dove at the River Jordan. And that, and that you know, he, he being perfect, the Holy Ghost descended and remained upon him. And then when he dies, that the Holy Ghost ascends to heaven and then descends again on the day of Pentecost onto the people. Amen. And that once it descends upon the people, then they start doing the same works that Jesus did Amen. when he was on the earth. To that, and so that indicates that the same Jesus was alive again in them. Okay. And that the same Holy Ghost that was alive and, and working through the, the, the church at, at Pentecost was the same Holy Ghost working through William Branham Amen. here on earth again because he's doing the exact same works again. It's an indication of, of the same life, right? And that to take it a step farther, you know, I, I, I want to articulate it like this maybe, that, you know, there's Christ the man and there's the Holy Ghost Kind of on top of that, um, and Brother Branham talks about Jesus at the, at the tomb, that he would cry, and that, that, that when he would cry, that would be a man. But when he said, Lazarus, come forth, that would be more than a man, right? Um, again, you have, say, I, I would kind of maybe take a different angle on it, um, that when Jesus goes to a well in Samaria and he's asking for a drink because he's thirsty, he's, that's the man asking for a drink. But when he tells the woman at the well everything that she had done, that was more than a man right? When William Branham is depressed and is having, because his wife and baby died and he's having a mental breakdown and ready to blow his brains out, that's William Branham the man. But when he turns his back on a crowd and starts telling people the things that he had done that he'd never met before, that's not a man. That's more than a man, right? And to take it a step further, the things that happen in my life, you know, if we leave the Holy Ghost on Brother Branham, then we're missing what's happening in our day. I personally have experienced where it's not just William Branham telling people the things they had done. I've met God in the back room of this very building in which Jason Watkins told me the things that I had done in a conversation that he was had no part of that I'd had the day before, and I met God, and it wasn't because of Jason Watkins. I mean, I'm sure our pastor has faults and failures just like everybody else, things that he's not proud of, but when he told me direct quotations from a conversation that I'd had the day before that he had no part of, that was more than a man, right? Right? Anytime you have a minister standing in the pulpit telling, you know, preaching the word and the word begins to deal with things that you, you know, that preacher has no idea what he's, what he's saying. And yet he's saying exactly what you needed to hear. That's not just a man standing there. Okay. That's more than a man. So, uh, to take it a step further, it says, um, but the, again, this is from last week. That anytime you have a holy the Holy Spirit on the scene, you have the devil presenting a counterfeit, right? It'll look so close that it'll deceive the very, that it would deceive the very elect if that were possible. But it, it would look it would look close. It would even be able to identify itself with the message Yahweh it looked at Cain, how he would even name his own children Enoch as a mimic of the actual son of God named Enoch, right? There was a genuine son of God named Enoch. And the devil, the, the, the serpent seed, would, would, would try to identify himself with the raptured church for, their, for his day, Amen. right? Um, and, but the, the true mark of the false seed, of that serpent seed, that antichrist seed, is that it can't be corrected. Right. That it would, when, where it would come off the word of God, when, when there would become a, a, a conflict between the word of God and the desires of of your heart, if you're not willing to come under the correction of the Word of God, that's the Antichrist spirit, right? Um, and so we moved on into um, uh, into Esther, and it and we we talked about um, Esther under the the ministry of Haggai, teaching her to please the king in what she would do, right? And that there we had a Haggai in our day dressing the bride. Of Christ to meet her groom. Um, And it says, um, I just wrote here, it says, if the true bride of Christ does only that which pleases the Father, because she has the nature of Christ in her, the question becomes apparent, how can we know what pleases the Father? God always sends his will for each age by the mouth of a single messenger, so that the people can avoid confusion and ignorance. Esther pleased the king by following the instructions of Haggai, Haggai was the mouthpiece of the king to the women to instruct them on what pleased the king. It says, when he gave instruction to the women, it was not simply his opinion or an educated guess. He was the mouthpiece of the king there to convey the desires of the king to the women. To disregard his teachings is simply an opinion show that they could not be conformed to the will of the king because of their pride. Okay? To ignore his teachings showed that they were made of the same material as Vashti, who also refused the word of the king that had come to her at the mouth of the king's seven chamberlains. Okay? And that ultimately, that all the women, Esther and all the other women who were going before the king, all had a sensation. They might have all jumped and shouted at a revival meeting, they might have all, they all came under the same sanctification process. They might have all been under the same ministry of the same messenger, Amen. right? That even, even people under the, under the ministry of William Branham can all, at some point, choose to disregard the teachings of that messenger in order to please their own desires and ultimately be rejected, Amen. okay? And so that's, that's kind of where we, where we ended so, um, man, I am the worst about taking a, a summary and making it way too long. Um, so it says, I want to. So I want to start here in Jeremiah chapter two. So with all this in mind, I, I want to just take a, a, a one key point, one key takeaway that I want to really highlight is that there. There was these people, these women in 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 the book of Esther where they're all looking to have receive something from the king. They're all looking to be the king's bride. They were all under the same sanctification. They might have all cleaned their life up in a similar way. They might have all been under the same ministry. They all had an experience with the king in a fa- uh, at, to a fashion, right? They all met the king at some point, and they all had some sort of relationship there, but. Only, the king only stayed with one in particular, and that was the one that, any time that the king's desires came in contrast to her desires, she turned aside from what she wanted and did only that which the king wanted. Amen. Okay, and ultimately, that it was that it was the it was where the king remained. Right, that, it, that you could have an experience and not actually have God. Okay. So, I want to start here in Jeremiah chapter 2, and it says, um, You know, where we read there, it says, um, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend, evil shall come unto them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith, Oh, actually, hang on. I'm to, I want to back up and, and put some emphasis on this. So it says, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Okay. So I want to emphasize here that it's speaking directly to the families. Okay. That this is a family-level thing. This is not a nationwide problem. This is a, on the level of individual households. Okay. Because a nation is made up of families, and likewise a church is made up of individual families. Okay. And ultimately, the family is made up of individuals. So each individual is contributing to that family... And likewise, the family contributes to a church. If if individual families no longer hold to the word of God, then the, ultimately the entire church falls apart. The entire church is no longer holding the word of God. It, it, it really boils down to: don't sit around waiting for another person or another family or another people in other people in your church to rise higher. The solution is that you rise higher yourself. Take on the, yourself. You do that which you need to do. And when everybody gets on that same page, gets in that one mind, in that accord, then you'll see revival, okay? Um, It says, so it's to to individual families. It says, thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain, okay? So this is to fathers. This is to dads and husbands, okay? This is to heads of households. And it says, um, uh, to walk after vanity and are become vain. That word vanity would maybe more translate into more contemporary English as worthless. That you've walked after worthlessness and are become worthless. Yeah. Okay. That it's just, you, you, are seeking after that. the heads of households are seeking after worthless nonsense, worthless entertainment, worthless, this worthless, that I, I, I believe it was yesterday. Um, the, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, um, I, we, I read the evening devotional from Spurgeon and he's so beautifully put that so oftentimes we think of vanity as, you know, in, in back in those times, maybe like, you know, uh, entertainment to, to see some, some play or some, some stage show or hear some music or something like that. We see that, oh, that's just worthlessness. That's vanity, right? He said, but anything that is not putting God first is vanity. And he said, you can be, uh, you know, sort of, again, to sort of paraphrase what he said it for more contemporary English, that don't think of worthlessness as simply basic entertainment, but you can be just as worthless at the bank as you can at, the, at, the, at a Broadway show, Amen. right? You can be just as, as worthless in your business affairs as you can a, a, at a theater if you're not putting God first in that, yeah. okay? Now, ultimately, God is your provider. And so if you're leaning to the arm of the flesh and thinking that what you do in your business is what ultimately what's, is what's going to keep you, then that's, that's vanity. That's just as worthless as wasting your time on anything, okay? Um, it says, uh, walked after vanity and are become vain. Verse six, it says, neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us out of the land of Egypt that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. And so here was Israel, completely ignorant of the fact that God had left them and they didn't care. Right. Okay? That the Spirit of God had left. There was no movement of the Spirit. You know, they, they, they would go to their church services, go to their, 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 their offerings, go, to the, go meet at the synagogue, and God was not there, and they didn't know it and didn't care. Yeah. It just just completely ignorant of the fact that God was no longer with them. And nobody bothered to ask. Yeah. Right? it says, um, verse 6, And I brought you out of a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made my inheritance an abomination. The priests said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. So even the ministry, ultimately what this is, is is laid at the feet of the ministry first, but and that's true. In this day, we it is weakness in the pulpit that will ultimately cause weakness in the church, right? Failure of leadership. And I'll, I'll if Lord willing and I have the time, I'll get into get into that a little bit. But I don't want us to just throw this that particular verse off onto the ministry. Revelations one six clearly indicates that we are all high priests before God, right? How many times do we say that women are the pastors of their of the children in their home, right? This is not just something to be thrown off onto the pulpit. It's for every everyone, every lay person to recognize this is something that I can do. Okay? This is this is this is to you know, <laughs> Brother Branham has the has the story of the of the young the man who's dying and the little boy tells him, you know, put your name in the in, in Isaiah 53, right? Well put your name in Jeremiah chapter two once. Right? Put 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 it there. Recognize where you're not holding up lining up to the word of God and conform. Right? And just ask yourself, put your, look yourself in the mirror. It says, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to just get some of this for the sake of time. It says, ultimately I'm going to get to verse uh, 13. And it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Amen. Okay. The first portion of this is that, so I find this interesting that they, they have two sins here, right? That the first sin is that they rejected the fountain of living water, right? Which is an interesting point to me, especially to Israel, where one of their key founding fundamental moments is when they're in the desert and the rock is smitten and the, the fountain of living water comes forth, right? We know Christ is, that, Christ is that rock, and we know that in the Bible, anytime you're talking about water, especially living water, this is a type of the Holy Spirit, and so here it is earlier in the chapter they're talking about no one's asking where's the, where's the Holy Spirit? No one's asking where's, where's God moving in our, in our midst? And it's because they had rejected the source of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. They rejected God. They, they, they didn't want him in their, in, their, uh, in their lives. And the second thing that they did is that they had hewed out cisterns. Okay? So if anybody knows what a cistern is, Amen. it's a man-made structure. It's a tank, right? Some of you from out west or or around cattle might know what a stock tank is. Very similar concept. It's just a big hole in the ground or a big tank that when the rain comes, they run all the rainwater off into that tank and it collects water and then they pull your water out of that. Now, if anyone's ever seen a, a cistern, nobody in their right mind is drinking out of that thing. It is stagnant. It sits there. It accumulates, especially around here. If you all have ever seen a tank full of water sit around open to the air out in Beaufort, you know it gets full of nastiness real quick. right? It's full of pollution. It gets full of bugs and, and lizards and, and, and frogs and all the birds get in it and it's full of nastiness and germs and scum grows on it and it's gross. Okay. And not only that, but it's a broken cistern. It's busted. It doesn't even hold the water that it collects for very long, and so it's it's. So here we have this 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 type where you have people who, rather than having the Holy Spirit operating through them on a regular basis, constantly renewing them, constantly flowing out, instead they would rather have this this man-made structure, this this. Uh, satanic substitute that'll, excuse me, make them think, well, it's sort of like having a fountain of water. It's sort of like a Holy Ghost experience. It's got some Holy Ghost in it, but it's polluted. It's full of filth. It doesn't actually clean up anything. Right? You know, you look at a fountain, like a a real, true, genuine, like artesian well, a fresh spring of water. Where that water's coming out, there ain't nothing growing there. Like no, I mean, like no bacteria, no, 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 um, Uh, pollution. There's no, because it's constantly washing all that stuff away. Not only that, but you know, you don't, you end up with frogs and lizards and things living in that stagnant water because it's full of things that they eat. They eat the scum. They eat the filth, right? And you have people who they reject the pure word of God because they like to eat the filth. Right, they want that broken cistern. They want that cistern. They can't stand to have the Word of God constantly washing that stuff away, because then it, it, it cramps their lifestyle, right? It, you know, you can't. Man, I am out of time. Quick, um, <laughs> you know, they they people don't want to listen to the the fountain of God wash away their sins when, you know. I got a couple minutes left, and I just, I just got something I, I want to, a couple quotes I want to read. So, this is from, I'm just going to very quickly read a couple of these, because I, I just feel like I, I'm, I'm so burdened to say this. It says, um, this is from Handwriting on the Wall. It says, he says, it used to be wrong for holiness women to wear paint on their face, and now they just gob it on anyway and sing and shout and praise the Lord like there was nothing to it. Right. Okay? Y'all can just take that with no context. Okay? I think the context is pretty clear. It says, what a disgrace. Women sing in the choir with bobbed hair, and the Bible said she's an unhonorable person. Paint on their face. There was only one woman who ever painted her face in the Bible. That was Jezebel. God fed her to the dogs. So you see what he thinks about it. And when you come tell them about it, next year, come back, they're worse than they was in the first place. Irreverent. They have no respect, no thoughts of decency. And he says, and he skips down, because he, he, he says, makes a statement, then he tells a story about how to, another minister told him that he should stop beating up the people, right? Not stop preaching this stuff. And he says, look, Brother Branham, said, why, then people believe you to be a prophet. I said, I never said that I, said I was, did I? He said, but they believe you to be. Why don't you teach them women how to receive the Holy Ghost and how to receive gifts and do something instead of always bawling them out about the way they're dressing and what they're doing? Why don't you teach them the kind of things to help it. I said, how can I teach them algebra when they won't learn their ABCs? You know what ABC is? Always believe Christ. That's right. So here he is talking about, he'll preach holiness because how can God move through you? How can the Holy Spirit move through you if you're not holy to begin with? Right? All you're going to do is end up polluting the fresh word of God, the fresh water of the Holy Spirit moving through you with bugs and snakes and everything else. Okay? All right. Moving on. It says... Can you feel the Holy Holy Spirit screaming out from you? Oh, United States and the world, how often I would have gathered you, but you would not. Now your hour has come and your God of pleasure, your God of filth, your Sodom and Gomorrah God has come among you. Even our little kids, beetle haircuts and bangs across their face and little perverts starting out. Our women is gone. It's beyond redemption. Our men has become big sissies walk little short pants on and acting like a girl and hair hanging down their necks and we are sodomites and the fire and the wrath of God waits for us. Ouch! Okay? By the way, do yourself a favor once and Google what the Beatles looked like in the 1960s. Because he, he refers specifically to the Beatles, Beatles haircut as a homosexual spirit over and over and over again. It's not something to play with. Alright? There was, you know, and he mentioned, he mentions short pants. It, I'm going to paraphrase what he said. It used to be wrong in a message church for men to wear pants, wear wear shorts. It used to be that way. I don't I mean it still is. Thank you brother Luther. It still is. I'm sorry. I don't care what you're doing. Brother Branham said that it was it was to for a man to pair, put on a pair of shorts was as, as if he was putting on a pair of women's underwear. I I don't I mean I don't know. It's just and we can make all kinds of excuses but men, please explain to me what is the context in which you would put on a pair of women's underwear and that's the context you can put on a pair of shorts. Okay? It says, and American people want to be entertained. They stay home on Wednesday night to see who loves Susie or whatever whatever that program is that shows what's in your heart. If you love God, you'd be at church. You've got to get back to the church, back to the Bible, back to Christ. Alright? right? (laughs) Make the excuses you want. If you are not at the house of God, I don't know what a good excuse for that is. Okay? I understand people get an ox in the ditch. I understand there are, there are instances in which people just have absolute catastrophes where you literally cannot make it to the house of God. People get sick. You have problems. But if this is a recurring theme where you haven't been to church in six months or a month or however long where you can make every excuse in the world, and or, or even just not to show up on time. How about that? How, about the, how many quotes does Brother Branham say that if you want to have the Spirit of God move in the church, show up early. Get, into, get in the Spirit first. Don't wait for the song leader to come get you into the Spirit. Get there 30 minutes early. Pray, repent, clean your heart out, consecrate yourself to God before the song even starts. Okay? Because it shows that people don't actually have a desire for the word of God, they're just showing up for an obligation, just so they can show their face so they don't have somebody calling them to wonder where they're at right. you know they can they can just sort of appease their conscience, maybe I'm not actually interested in the spirit of God moving because if it did, it would wash away all that carnality that they've got going on it says um man, I'm like out of time, so i'm going to I'm going read this last quote and and we'll quit um it says God knows we need more women like that. He's talking about Zacchaeus' his wife, praying for her husband who was not serving God, yeah. and he, he pray, she prayed for him constantly that he could uh, meet Jesus and, and, and become a Christian. It says, God knows we need more women like that today. When womanhood is broke, the backbone of the nation is broke, when women get, get to a place that our American women are today, is a disgrace. The way our American women act. I got a clipping out of the paper that I believe... It was about 60% of the boys that went overseas in this last war was divorced from their wives before they came back. Their wives running off with somebody else in these defense plants working. She has got no business in a defense plant. A woman's place is at home with her children. And when she, now if her husband's sick and she has to work, that's different. But women's place is at home in the kitchen. And when she leaves, when she leaves that, she's out of her place exactly right. Mmm, ouch, right? These things matter. This is the instruction of Haggai, our instructor, and if we want to disregard it and say, well, that's just his opinion, that's just an old fashioned way of thinking, that's just some sort of fanaticism, well, frankly, when it comes to making a rapture, I'm a bit of a fanatic, okay? When it comes to displeasing God, I'm a bit of a fanatic. You know, when it comes to making sure that my life is 100% in line with the word of God, I am a fanatic. Yeah. We have, you know, the, you know, people have no problem calling themselves a sports fan or a fan of whatever entertainment they want to come up with, right? I'm a, for, I'm, a, I'm a fan of this team, I'm a fan of that team, I'm a fan of this musician, I'm a fan of that movie star, I'm a fan of this whatever. Well, the term fan is just short for fanatic. So we'll happily call ourselves a fanatic for the Dallas Cowboys or happily call ourselves a golf fanatic or, or, or a, a hunting fanatic or whatever. Happily do that. Happily call ourselves a fanatic for whatever for whatever you know music that we want to come up with, whatever new movies coming out, whatever TV show we want to watch. Oh. But try to be a fanatic for the Word of God. Once, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's hard, but friends, there ain't no time to play. Yeah. Right. Anyways, that's let's stand and pray before I get off the rails here. <laughs> Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to bring your word to the people. Father, I, I know it's hard sometimes. Father, I, you know that I've only ever said anything because I wanted to help people. And God, if I said anything that would hurt people or would be too harsh, Lord, that you would, you would soothe it over, Lord, and you would make sure the people understand that it's only for their good. And Lord, if there would be anybody who would be calling after you, Father, that you would help them come to your word, Lord, that anything that, uh, that people would be off the mark, Lord, that you would reveal to where they're wrong and that they would have the, the heart to seek after you, Father. Amen. Father, we ask that you would be with us through the remaining of the service, that they would be with the, the hearts would be open and, and longing for your word as the musicians come and, and, and lead the worship, Lord, and that ultimately the greatest form of worship is the hearing of your word. We long for your, for your word and long for what you have for us. We ask these things and pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.